Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. I'm going to begin a new series called Mind Fields. Now, I did a play on words. I know you, you, there's something called a mind, M-I-N-E, mind field. But we're going to do something, I believe, that's going to bring freedom and healing and deliverance to so many people today. I'm, in fact, we're going to pray before I begin this in, in, because I want to make sure we're ready to hear what God wants to say. You know, we can hear with our natural thinking and we can hear something in our hearts. How many know what I'm talking about? We can hear what the pastor says or we can hear what God is saying through that pastor. And I believe that this next few weeks is going to be one of the most encouraging, healing, freedom-giving series that we've done in some time. I believe that God is going to bring understanding to your life. Why did I call this mind fields? Well, what's a M-I-N-E, a mind field? Think of it. Think of a mind field. What is it? Well, it's, it's something that's done during wartime. It's something your adversary or enemy does. And how does a mind field work? M-I-N-E. Well, the enemy goes out and plants or hides mines underground. They're not seen. They're hidden. They're lying there waiting for something to trigger them, and there's an explosion. That's what a minefield, how, that's how it works. Why does your enemy do that? Why does the adversary plant a minefield? Because they want to protect their priorities. There's something that's valuable to them they don't want you to get to. There's something important to them they don't want anyone to access. The other reason they plant a minefield is because they want to stop your advance. Now, I want you to think about the tricks, the trips, the the strategies that Satan uses to war against you as you're moving through your life. I want you to think with me just for a moment so we we get where we're headed from from the beginning, from jump. I want you to see this. So think about where the enemy attacks you. Think about the things you deal with. Just like a M-I-N-E field, there's a mind field. What happens? Somewhere in your life, the enemy has come and sown some trigger places in your life. And all that has to happen to you is for you to step on one of those places. Access one of those moments. Encounter that person. Remember that feeling. Be, Be talked to in a way that someone else, and that mind blows up on you. That explosion happens in your life. They're hidden. They're underneath the surface. See, sometimes we face battles that no one else can see but us. How many are with me today? You're facing some things no one else can see. They're hidden. So I call it M-I-N-D, minefields we're going to deal with. Sometimes you're trying to move forward. You're trying to move, but, but, but you, you don't know how to get past. There's been a loss in your life. There's been a disappointment in your life. There's stress going on. You're dealing with fear. You're dealing with depression. Maybe there's been abuse. Maybe there's been neglect. Maybe there's been rejection in your life. And, and, and we don't understand, how do I get out of this? How do I get past this? I want you to hear me on the front end. Do you know that people that love Jesus will have to deal with some minefields? Do you know that, that just because you love Jesus doesn't mean 
that you're not susceptible to the things life happens, does to us. But the good news is there's a cure for those things. Come on, someone say amen. There's something to shift and move you out of that stuck place, that cycle. The Bible calls them strongholds. So I I want us to pray right now that as we go forward in this series, that we're going to hear with our spiritual ears. Someone say amen to that. We're going to hear. We're going to receive God's word. I believe God's going to give you revelation during this time. You know what revelation is? It's when the Holy Spirit turns the light on an area you haven't seen before. It's when you get a truth from God you had not understood before. It's when the word is being preached and finally, come on, you're with me? Two and two makes four. And you go, oh, that's what that means. Or, or, or think of this. I believe what's going to happen as we go through this and under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and his word, we're, you're going to be there with me in these next few weeks and you're going to say, that's why I react like that. That's what's been holding me back. That's what's been putting me in this place. Are you with me? How many are ready to get unstuck? You'd say, man, and get free from some things. You know, we, here's our problem. We really know how to look good on the outside. Come on, tell the truth. Look around the room today. Nobody walked in wearing a sign around their neck that says, I'm stuck. I'm in a cycle. I've got a stronghold. I don't know how to control my anger. I don't know how to break depression. You know, no, nobody, we, we look really good, don't we? We walk in and it's okay. I mean, you know, we don't want to sing the blues, but somewhere you got to get real. And when somebody says, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. And on the inside, you're dying. So I want to tell you this. You're not alone today. If you love the Lord and there's some things that still need to be shifted in your life, some breakthroughs that still need to come. How many are thankful God loves you in the process? Come on. I'm thankful. Listen, here's two of the greatest statements on earth. I've shared them with you often. The first one is, God will save anybody, any place, just like you are. Come on, how many are thankful for that? That God will save you just like you are. How many were a little bit of a mess when you got saved? Tell the truth. God will save you just like you are. Now, that's good news, number one. Here's a second statement, just as good. But he loves you too much to leave you in that condition. Come on. I love that. See, I love that. A lot of, a lot of church in America today doesn't give you statement number two. They just say, come to Jesus as you are. I, I, I said, I'm, I'm one of those guys too, but I can tell you that you can leave the way he is. See, we believe in a transformational gospel, not just to put up with me and my sin, but change me and set me free from who I was. You see, he loves you enough to save you just like you are, but he loves you way too much to leave you in that condition. So it's okay. You're a believer and you come to church and, and it, it all looks well. I'll never forget, uh, we had a family coming to our church many, many years ago and their son w- died in a tragic automobile accident. And they'd been very active in the church and doing well, and they loved Jesus. But that trauma, that accident, just stopped that mom in her tracks. Understandable. But I'll never forget, she, she misunderstood some things. She missed some help that could have been so good for her. She came to me and said, you know, Pastor, we're not going to keep worshiping at Calvary. I said, well, why? 
Now I thought, what, what happened? Did we miss something during her grief? She goes, no, no, no. She said, I, I can't go there in the midst of that joy. I can't come sit there in that worship. She says, nobody in that church knows what I'm going through. I said, you hadn't looked around much. Who have you talked to? How many of you have ever come to our church with a broken heart? Yeah. How many have come to worship when it had been easier just to lay in the bed? But you got up because why? You knew God had something for you. So you're okay today. You're okay if you love Jesus and there's still some work that needs to be done. Are you with me? Let's pray. Father, in the mighty, unquestioned, unchallenged, unmatched name of Jesus, we pray today. The name above every name. The name above every name. You have no equal. (laughs) You have no superior. You have no one like you. We come to that name. The name above every name. And we declare today from the beginning of this word that lives are going to be set free. That revelation is going to come. That freedom is going to be released. That lives are going to change. That we're not here talking about a theory or religious ritual. We're connecting with the God who knows us, who made us, and is here to set us free and release us from some strongholds that have limited and, and our lives and have harassed us along the way. Father, we believe today healing in the name of Jesus. Deliverance in the name of Jesus. Understanding in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that your word is going to accomplish those things and you're going to confirm your word with signs and wonders and miracles that will know it is God. And everybody that agrees, say amen. 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 So let, let, let's, let's jump right in there. Our mind, how we think, our attitude impacts every single area of our life. Now, God created us uh, for our mind to be a blessing, but it's a target of the enemy. When the Bible uses the terminology body, soul, and spirit, typically we use soul and spirit synonymously. But, but in, in the particulars of scripture, your soul and spirit are different. We are a triune being. We were created in the image of the triune God. We are not God, but created in his image and likeness with the capacity to know him through Christ. And just as God is a triune being, one God in three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you and I as triune beings are spirit, soul, and body. Now, what we understand most often because we are natural, normal, human, carnal, we look at it from disorder, body, soul, spirit. But we, we look at the outer man first. But when God looks at you, I want you to get this, he looks at you from this dimension, dimension or angle. He looks at you spirit, soul, body. Eternally, this is how it operates. You are a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. Now, until we meet Christ, we're spiritually dead or dormant. This whole capacity to know God, to know his goodness and his grace and experience direction and help and healing, that, that's gone to us. We were, the Bible says before Christ, we were dead in our trespasses and sin. But when we were walking around, we were spiritually dead. When we accept Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in us and our spirits born again, we're alive. Spirit of God lives in us. Come on, how many are thankful for that? God, how can I say this? I want to be delicate. God lives in some funny looking houses. Come on, somebody. 
Say amen about it. Come on. <laughs> God has moved in some raggedy neighborhoods. Come on, let's tell the truth. <laughs> God, God has moved into some mess up minds. Come on, tell it. God has walked in some M-I-N-D minefields where no one else would dare tread to go. But he loves us that much. So from God's point of view, you are a spirit. That's the eternal part of you. That has a soul, that's the term biblically for your mind. My spirit is where God dwells when I'm born again, where the Holy Spirit lives in me. My soul is my mind, will, and emotions. And you know with the body, the outer one. So that's what we see. So God created your mind to be a good thing and serve him. God created your mind with incredible capacity. All neurosurgeons agree. I've never read anything varied from this. We use 10% or less of our brain capacity. I think that's attributed to the fall. I think Adam and Eve were probably at another level than where we were before the fall of man. But we are walking on this planet. The most brilliant people that you would know still are using only about 10% of their capacity. So there, there's this gift of your mind God gave you. One of the greatest things he gave you is will. If we look through scripture, God is the author of free will. Free will. Satan always tries to steal your will. Cloud your mind. Make you a slave. The Lord says, where the, the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's what? Freedom. So our mind, our mind, our thinking, the way we think, our attitude affects everything we do in life. Let me tell you, your relationships with everyone in your family are directly affected to the way you think and the patterns in your mind. How you respond to the people around you is a result of the way you think and the way your mind runs through its cycles. Let me go one more step. You've got to get this. Your relationship with God is affected, directed. Influenced by the way you think, your perspective, what you see, how you think, what your attitude is. Our relationships with God, our relationships with the people around us, everything in our life. Listen, it is medically proven. Your physical health is affected more by your mental capacity than any other factor. Everybody with me? Your mind's a gift, but Satan has tried to steal it and make it a minefield. So, so I want you to know, again... You're struggling with some issues. You're going to find hope today. You're not going to find condemnation. Everybody with me? Elijah said, God, I want to die. He got so discouraged. This mighty prophet of God, I want to just crawl under a tree and die. David, have anybody read the Psalms? About one third of them, David is really having a hard time. Come on, tell the truth. (laughs) Let's just be honest. I mean, David, you read the Psalms. David was in deep despair. You keep reading. What about Jeremiah? Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. He dealt with rejection. He dealt with accusation. This man wanted to give up. He was a weeping prophet. Loved God. Dealt with some issues. Abraham, after God had promised him a son, he reached one point in Genesis 15. He said, you know, I'm never going to have a son. God's not going to do what he said. My servant's going to inherit all of my property. He's going to be my heir. Come on, I know none of you have ever done that. I know you've ever, never been discouraged and said, I just quit on God. It's never going to happen. See, we, you're, you know, again, I'm not encouraging you to be trapped, but I'm telling you you're not the only person that's been there. We're going to find some answers, okay? This is not going to be a series where I just say, well, we all have a hard time. Let's just be encouraged. We're all having a hard time together. No. 
You can go somewhere else and get that. We're going to look at the word of God and say there's some solutions to these real issues that are making our family and our marriage. These things are important in our work relationship and even how I relate to God. We need God to do something. You know, we, we, we're in this place. Let me, let me just, if, if you didn't need to know this, a couple more things. Then we're going to get into 2 Corinthians 10. There was a, I've done a lot of research for this. There was a, ser- a, a, a survey done in 2019. Someone say pre-COVID. Yeah, we did not know how good we had it. Tell the truth. Did we take a lot for granted pre-COVID? 2019 was a really good year. And we didn't even know it. <laughs> I'm honestly, honestly, you know what? What, one of my takeaways from COVID is I'm going to be more thankful for everything God put in my life. I'm thankful every time we walk back in the doors. Here, anybody else with me? I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Listen, I preached for 10 weeks to chairs. To chairs. I really am happy to see you here today. I'm really happy to see you here today. We took a lot for granted. We go to where we want to go, eat where you want to eat, fly how you want to fly. Do what you want to do. We took a lot for granted. But in 2019, listen to this. Pre-COVID, survey said two out of three uh, people in America said they were anxious or very anxious. Two out of three. Pre-COVID. They lived anxious or very anxious. Recently, this one is shocking to me. 91% of high school and college students, high school and college students, said they had significant levels of stress in their life. 91%. Young generation. Stress. Could it be fueled by social media to some degree? You have so many options, so many voices, so many things saying this is how you do it, this is what you do, and so few have a biblical foundation or baseline to guide them through that. Stressing them out. It's a nation we live in. It's a culture we live in. Satan is attacking the soul of this nation and every Christian you can. But I want to tell you this. I want you to get this along the way. Listen to me. We're going to begin to find some healing. If it touches you, it touches God. How many heard what I just said? If it touches you, it touches God. If you're struggling with something, God cares about it. If there's something that's got you in a place, God cares about it. And he's not just going to be big enough to help you hide it or deal with it. He wants you to be set free from it. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I want to begin reading in verse number 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3. I, I, I have no um, uh, thoughts, visions of grandeur, think I'm a psychiatrist or psychologist. I am a pastor. My expertise is the word of God, if I have one. I am going to bring to you the biblical, spiritual solution, identity, approach to what the enemy's trying to do to your life. And how you can find answers and be set free. All right? So, so what happened to our minds? How did we get here? I just said Adam and Eve probably used a capacity of their brain we can't even imagine. But I want you to get this. When Adam and Eve fell, their mind fell too. This problem you're having started back in the Garden of Eden. This access to our thinking, this thing that traps us started way back there. So what happens? Let's look at 2 Corinthians 10.3. For though we live in the world, how many are living in the world? The rest of you are on a trip. Let me ask you one more time. And you didn't buy a ticket on the trip you're on. How many are living in the world? Okay, here we are. Okay, here we are. Okay. For though we live in the world, watch this. 
We do not wage war as the world does. So we're seeing, it's why I use minefield. We're, we're, we're being thrown into a, an arena of warfare. How many hear what I'm saying? This is a battle that we need to understand. This is a battle you can win. Somebody say, I can win this. It's a battle we can win, but we need to understand. So for though we live in the world, we do not wage war. So we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be strong and warring about some things. Okay. As the world does. So then how do we do it? Verse four, the weapons we fight with, you're going to have to fight a little bit to get out of this place. How many hear what I'm saying? But it won't be you alone. God will give you the strength to do it. Are you with me? So the weapons we have been given, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons on the world. On the contrary. Now I I like the King James translation here. Watch this. Uh, Watch this. Our warfare, not carnal or human, but they are mighty. How did you get that? We have weapons given us. Someone say given. You don't have to earn them. He gave them. And what kind of weapons are they? Mighty through God to do what? To the pulling down of strongholds. We're going to come back to that word. All right. Strongholds. Let's go to the next verse. Where, where is this battle? Here it is identified. Where are the strongholds? Where do we use the weapons? Where's the arena of warfare? Casting down what? Where are imaginations? Okay. And every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. All right. What does a stronghold do? Pushes a wall up to stand between God and you. Divides your mind away from the word and the will of God. A stronghold is a pattern of thinking in your mind that has been built block by block that actually raises up uh, an offense or a block to God's blessing and you are trapped with that stronghold on the wrong side of the wall. And so then what? And bringing into captivity, we're going to refer to this later, what? Every thought. Okay, so I've got some weapons to deal with this battle in my mind. They're mighty through God. They want to wall my thinking off, compartmentalize the way I look at life, hide my thinking from God's blessing, but I'm going to bring what? Into captivity every thought to what? To the obedience of Christ. Now let's look at a couple of things here. Weapons, <laughs> spiritual conflict. I want you to get this. Now some of you, I, 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 come on, stay with me. I've really prayed about this. Some of you, when I say we got to wage war, you're like, dear God, I'm already tired. Okay. I know that. I'm not just in the Holy Spirit. As I teach and preach to you, I feel you. You understand word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Well, I'm speaking to you. It's not me. George Sawyer does not have that ability. Do you understand that? The Holy Spirit. I, 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 I heard when I said red warfare, I heard somebody go, I'm already tired of the fight, pastor. I'm already weary in this thing. Listen to me. Hang in here. God's going to fight this thing for you, but you have to show up for the battle. Are you with me? Come on. It's not your strength. Say, it's not my strength. It's not your strength, but you got to get up out of bed. You got to stand up and let him do something. How many with me today? Okay. It's not this thing. Well, if God wants to set me free, here I am. No, 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 no. 
Come on. How many want to be set free? Come on. You say, okay, here I am. And God will say, I got you. But you're going to have to volunteer. Are you with me? Okay. Okay. So, so weapons, but they're mighty through God, mighty through God. Strongholds. What are strongholds? Remember that word. Stronghold is a fortress. The, 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 uh, Greek tense of this word is a present continuous tense. What does that mean? It means it's not static. It's not past. It means you are making a fortress in your mind. What does that mean? It means the way you're thinking is causing the stronghold to get stronger. The way you're thinking is adding bricks to the wall that's separating your thinking from the purposes of God. Are you with me? So the problem is we keep thinking the bad stuff. It's like a bad dad who had baby duty and the wife was gone and the baby, pardon my language, pooped the diaper. So dad didn't want to change the diaper. So he just put another diaper on top of that diaper, hoping not to be caught. But he doesn't know mothers very well or he wouldn't have been that foolish. But just because you put a new diaper on the old diaper doesn't mean the stink is gone. And what we're talking about here is not stinking thinking. Okay, somebody got me now. I'm not just trying to put a patch on the problem here. We're not just trying to just satisfy for the moment. We're talking about freedom here. Come on, somebody. Freedom from this thing. So a stronghold is being made by our continual thought patterns that are out of the places God would bless. Another definition for strongholds, arguments and reasonings used to fortify your position. Arguments and reasoning. Well, what would that be, Pastor? Well, it's like, here, here's why. All arguments and reasonings that lead to strongholds in your mind always start this way. Do you want to hear what they are? They're easily identified. It's when you say, I know what the word says, but you just put another brick on the stronghold. I know what I'm supposed to do, but just put another block. Some of you got scaffolding built. Because you can't reach the top of that stronghold anymore because you've said so long. Well, I know what the pastor said Sunday, but I mean, you got what I'm saying. Reasoning and arguments that begin with the phrase, well, I know what I'm supposed to do, but listen to me. Your brain has one million neural connections made every second. Every second. Now, let me help you with this word stronger. I'll show you where it is. Isn't it amazing? God identified it before the science, before the neurologist, neuroscientist figured it out. Listen to me real quickly. For we laymen, I'm not a brain surgeon. I'm a pastor. I didn't stay at Holiday Inn Express last night. Listen to me. Think about that stronghold that's been scripturally identified. Listen, just to give you a short thing here. I'm going to use this term for us laymen. Brain patterns. Brain patterns, listen, are built over time like a stronghold. It begins at birth. There's a positive part of this that Satan wants to destroy. Listen to me closely. Brain patterns begin at birth. You begin to learn how to do things. Your brain begins to follow patterns. It begins to process. You begin to learn. You begin to learn how to live. Certain things become reactive. You don't have to go back and think your way through that pattern every time you do something. When I, when, when, when I get a drink of water, I don't have to say, okay, I'm thirsty. I would like some water. Right hand, hold the 
bottom. Left hand, turn counterclockwise. Right hand, lift it. Oh yeah, swallow along the way. See, a pattern is I'm thirsty. It's a pattern. It's reactive. And we're wired that way by God. Those patterns allow us to learn. They allow us to do the simple things. Are you with me? And just process through life. Your brain becomes more efficient. You think in patterns. Listen to this statement. Once you think a thought, it's easier to think that thought again. Once you think that thought ten times, it's ten times easier to think that thought again. Because your brain develops and we learn how to do life according to the patterns that are established there. Now, the good news is, if you are thinking good thoughts, putting the word of God in there, and you're allowing yourself to move in that direction, you're building some incredibly great patterns in your brain. Are you with me? But the flip side of that thing is, that if you're thinking unhealthy thoughts, if you're rehearsing your stuff all the time, if you're declaring your loss all the time, if you're speaking your negativity all the time, if you're insulting yourself all the time, if you're reacting to everything that happens all the time, you are setting up a pattern in your thinking that is unhealthy and the Bible calls it a stronghold. And we built it one thought at a time, one brick at a time. So that's the news that's there. Let me illustrate it real quickly, okay? Let me illustrate it. I remember a friend of mine in high school. This guy was super insecure. I know none of you have ever had to deal with that. He was super insecure, dealt with a lot of stuff. And uh, so I remember one day we're, we're, we're driving down to Main, Main Street in our little town. And uh, he's driving his dad's car. We're 16. Now, 16-year-old boys are glad to have anything with four wheels. My suggestion is don't put a big motor in it, but that's your business. So, so we're driving down Main Street. We're feeling good. We're 16. We have a car. Some of you, that's no big deal. That was a big deal to us. And so it's Saturday. We're driving down Main Street. We got daddy's car, man. We're rolling. Most of the other 16 year olds, they're still walking, but we, we're, we got it. You know, we're styling and profiling. We're, 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 we're moving and grooving. So we're ready. You know what we want to do? We're, you know, we're doing the radar out for 16-year-old boys. You're not looking for stop signs, red lights, yield signs. You're looking for girls. That's what you're looking for. That's why 16-year-olds have a lot of wrecks because they never look at anything but girls. So, so we're looking for girls. And so we're driving. We're feeling good. You know, we got daddy's car. and So we're good. And we look down the street. Yeah, there they are, some girls walking down the street. So I go, hey, look, there they are. So we're driving, getting all ready, you know. Well, we're about a block away. They haven't even seen us. They were out on the sidewalk talking. They turned and walked into a store. And so I was like, oh, Mr. Chance. Well, my buddy goes, listen, I'm serious. Too many people like this. Maybe some sit in this room. He processed that through a pattern in his thinking. And this is what he said. He looked at me, he goes, I hate them. I said, what? I hate them. I said, what are you talking about? Who? Those girls. They just blew us off. They went inside that. Don't care we're here. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. They didn't even see us, pal. They didn't know we're here. Look what he did to himself. And so you know what that pattern is? That, that, that stronghold is that you see everything in life through that phase. And you're building your stronghold higher every time you do things like that. As soon as something doesn't happen. I know God doesn't hear my prayer. Ooh. 
I never get anything. It never happens for me. Why doesn't it go this way? You know, somebody does something. They don't even know who you are. Somebody cuts over in front of you in traffic. They don't know who's in that car. It's not a personal insult. They just got their driver's license online. That's the problem. I mean, I don't understand why they let people drive that don't drive like me. I don't understand that. But nobody's asked me in that process. But I, that's kind of overdone. But you understand what I'm saying? I want to help you. Some of you have been in a previous marriage. And God wants to bless this marriage you're in. Did you hear what I said? God wants to bless that marriage. But there's a pattern of thinking that you brought with you into that marriage from the trauma of the other one that didn't work. And every time somebody now smells like that person, walks like that person, says a phrase that person used, you go back over here. And the pattern's rolling there. You got me? And so you're looking at this. And you got to understand, ladies, men only live on one level. We can't do more than one thing at a time. You've got 14 levels you work on. Women are like spaghetti. You do all this stuff and work. Men are like waffles. We got one little square. That's all we got right now. And we're really good in that little square, but that's all we got. If you want me in this square, then you got to wait and let me step out of this one. Then I'll step over here. Then I can do something. I might even hear what you said. But if I'm over there and you're over here, I didn't know anybody said anything to me. I was watching the Alabama-Auburn game. You, st- you, you came in the room. You know, your husband goes deaf when he watches television. Your children are deaf playing their video games. Come on, tell the truth. Have you walked in there? There could be an earthquake, the house burned down, everything fall, and the kid looks up when the fire department's left and goes, where is everybody? <laughs> right or wrong? Okay, so, so what happens is somebody in this marriage did something that happened there, or somebody does something now that happened way back over there, and because we haven't been set free from these strongholds, we, we cycle everything that happened through this stronghold pattern and boom, everything from over here is thrown right in that moment. We need to deal with this, don't we? We need to deal with these things. So what can we do? Well, let, let's look at this. Matthew 3, 2. I'm just putting some scripture we're about to pray. Matthew 3, 2. Look at this. The very first declaration Jesus made. Would you think the first thing he said as he began his ministry was important? Would you think the first thing he said framed everything he was going to do? When Jesus was baptized by John, came up out of the water, Holy Spirit descended on him, and he began his public ministry, the first declaration right here, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The word repent literally translated is change the way you think. The first thing Jesus said, the first thing he said, repent. The kingdom is here. Why? There's something from heaven that's come that you don't access from earth. There's something God wants to do that your stinking thinking is not going to comprehend. There's some things I want to do for you that are so much bigger than you are that if you do not allow God to redo the way you think and heal your broken mind, you're never going to know how great the kingdom of God is. He says, repent. Change the way you think. Okay, go with me real quickly to Romans 12. Romans 12. Now listen, I've had to lay a lot of, uh, of foundation. I'll preach a little more next week, okay? Hang in here with me, all right? I gotta teach you today. How many are with me right now? I'm serious about this. God wants to do something in your life. God wants to bring some freedom. You know what I'm doing right now? I'm building your faith to receive a miracle in your life right now. 
Right now, I'm building your faith to receive something from God. And I am praying the words bringing you understanding about who you are and why you do what you do. Let's stop blaming anybody else. Come on, right now, I want you to take your life out of anybody else's hands. I don't take your life out of anyone else's hands. I want you to say, I am not a victim. Say it. I'm not a victim. No one else can control what God's about to do right now. It doesn't matter what everyone else has done. Come on, let's get out of that thing right now. We're going to break some strongholds down. But we're going to have to quit alibying and excusing ourselves by blaming everybody else for who we are. Uh, this is strong medicine, but we got some strong disease that needs to get cured. Okay. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, sisters, in view of God's mercy. I'd love to preach this verse. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So to get to verse 2, you got to go to verse 1. If this thing's going to work, if we're going to have freedom from these strongholds, these patterns that limit us and restrict us, and every time we almost get into a new season, this thing sucks us back in this cycle. If that's going to happen, we have to get verse 1 here. What does verse 1 say? In view of the mercy of God, I need to give myself to him. I'm not playing God help me. I'm saying, God, you have me. I want to say that again. I'm not playing God help me. I'm saying, God, you have me. Okay, He says that's what it means to worship God. Isn't it amazing? Again, I don't have time. to. How many people around this nation? Thousands and thousands, maybe millions. It's frightening. They go to church every week and they call it a worship service. But they never have worshiped once in their life. Because it's not just the song or the words that I give my life to him. That's my spiritual act of worship. So if I haven't given my life to him, come on, you can go to church. We're not worshiping. Everybody with me? Okay, trying to help us. Now look at verse 2. What happens when you get verse 1? You get to go to verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. I love this word. It's powerful. But be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. When you allow God to heal and free your mind, your life's transformed. I don't care what else is going on in your life. If your mind hasn't been transformed, your life hasn't been transformed. You can put on church clothes and go to church. But if you got that same stinking thinking, you haven't been transformed. You can go to church and a white man shake a black man's hand and say, God bless you, brother. But if prejudice is in your brain, you're not free. (laughs) See, you're not transformed. You just put on some more clothes. You just put on a new hat. You, you know, if you go to church and nobody does it anymore. Anybody ever remember when the ladies used to wear hats to church? I mean, it was hats. Ah, you don't know. It's all right. But, you know, you can put on your hat. But if you gossip, don't matter what color your hat is or how big it is. You hadn't been transformed because your mind hadn't been renewed because you're still talking and thinking like a stronghold that's from hell. Okay. Everybody with me still? You still want me to go on? Okay. So look at this. He says, we'll stop with these. Don't be conformed to what? To the pattern. There's a pattern. The the Greek word is literally where we get the word scheme or schematic. Pattern. A stronghold. The pattern of my brain, the way it thinks and operates because of what I've experienced in life. 
If all your life as a child, somebody yelled at you, I hate you, I don't like you, we didn't want you, you're an accident, you're not smart, you're dumb, you'll never do anything. What we don't understand, those words are setting a pattern in our brain. And when we look at other people and they say, I love you, your brain goes, no, they don't. Because you're not worthy, you're not good, you're dumb, you're never going to be anything. But when the Holy Spirit comes inside and we welcome God and we give him ourselves. See, I can't just give him something. I have to give him me, Romans 12, 1. And when I do, he says, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to get in that mess with you. I'm going to walk through the minefield. I'm going to reach in there where life has ruined and wrecked and torn you up. And I'm going to set you free in that place. So we don't believe what others told us. We believe what God has said about us. We don't want to conform. He said we can be transformed huh, by the renewing. I'm skipping up. Go to, go to Titus 3 5 on my scriptures, guys. I want you to see this. I, I told you, I know some of you are going, Pastor, I, shh, I'm tired. I can't put up another weapon. I got some great news. We're about to pray. Look at this. He saved us. Huh, not because of righteous things we had done. Come on. Can somebody say hallelujah for that? But why? Because of his mercy, we just read that. Now look at this. He saved us how? Come on, watch. Read. Through the washing of rebirth and renewal of what? How is my mind renewed? It's not that I took a course. It's not that I read a book. It's because I submitted my mind to the Holy Spirit. I'm renewed through the work of the Holy Spirit in my mind. I put myself in a place for the Holy Spirit to go to work on me. I presented it to him. I stopped, remember the stronghold? I stopped making my arguments and debates and just said, you're right. You're right. I stopped arguing why I shouldn't forgive someone and just said, you're right. I stopped arguing about why I shouldn't pray for people who despitefully use me and just said, you're right. I quit arguing about blessing people that had cursed me and just said, you're right. And guess what happened? The Holy Spirit began to come in and free me and set me free and release me. And God will renew you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Redo the pattern. Come on. Redo the pattern. And, and I, I don't know how this is used, but, but in the computer world, you know, code is what makes the software work and do its thing. It's, it's code. You, you write the code and it's going to always do the same thing. That's a pattern. But there is a term and I don't know it where there that has been discovered that some guys are smart enough. They can go in on top of the code that was originally put there and write a new code that will override the original one. And now it operates at that level. God, would you come into us today? And recode our thinking and change our pattern and renew our mind so we could be transformed. My last verse of the day, John 14, 27. I want to give you something here, a gift. I want you to look at this. What did Jesus say? Peace, I leave you. Wow. Out of all the things he could have said, this is in the last supper in the upper room, hours before his arrest. The evening before his crucifixion, he said, I'm going to give you peace. I want to give you peace. I want to do something in your mind. I want to give you something about the way you approach life. Peace I leave with you. And then look, it gets better. What does it say now? My peace. Not a peace. Some peace. He said, here's my peace. Church, are you reading this? 
the peace of Jesus Christ. He said, I'm just going to give you. I'm going to give you because you're mine. My peace, look. I did not give to you as the world gives. Oh, thank God. You ever had anybody give it and take it back? Give it and have a string on it? <laughs> give it with the time label? No. He says, I'm going to give you my peace. I'm not going to give you the way the world gives. That reminds me of that old song. Come on, you know it. The world didn't give it. Come on, that almost makes me want to do the Carlton. You know, <laughs> say it. The world didn't give it. The world can't take it away. Come on, tell yourself that. Next time people act crazy around you. The next time people don't do what you want them to do. You just got to stand there and say, the world didn't give it. The world can't take it away. Don't call people names. But in your head, you say, I know what you think you're doing. But you didn't give this to me. And you're sure not taking it away with you right now. You can call me what you want to. You're not taking my peace. You can lie to me. You can reject me. You can say, I'm not worth it. I'm dumb. I'm never going to amount to anything. But I got a father in heaven who says, I called you. I loved you. I saved you. I redeemed you. I didn't save you because you were worthy. I did it because you needed it. And I'm going to leave you my peace. And I don't give it the way the world gives. I'm not going to let your heart be troubled. You don't have to be afraid. Come on. Do you see this with me today? All right, we need to pray. Please don't leave. We need to pray. Stand. Worship team, come and join me here. Oh, there's so many more verses I want to get to, but we're going to have to just stop here. Thank God for another Sunday. Amen? Another Sunday. Listen, (laughs) how many want Jesus' peace? You don't earn it. He gives it to you. Do you know why we struggle receiving gifts? Because our mind patterns all messed up. Because nobody on earth ever gave you a gift without a string attached. You don't think God can do it. That stronghold needs to be broken today in the name of Jesus. Are you with me? I guess the question is how many are willing to let God do that? How many are willing to let go of your way you've lived your life? Because you know what happens with those strongholds? Listen closely. They are a fortress and we hide behind them. We hate them, but we hide behind them. And that's how we do life. And we even tell people, listen, I've heard, you've heard it, I've heard it. You'll tell people, you can't trust anyone. Yes, you can. You can trust Jesus. And as he brings wisdom and healing and discernment, you'll know who else to trust. You can trust. You, don't, don't we say that? You can't trust anyone. Have you ever heard people say that? Everyone's going to let you down. No, they're not. No, they're not. You've just been hanging out with the wrong people. <laughs> you haven't found trustworthy people in your life. But it all starts with the Lord. He said, I'm going to give you peace. It's just going to stay with you. Now, you've got to be willing today as we pray to let your arguments fall, to let your strongholds go down. It's called being very vulnerable. Are you with me? Because, see, you may have gotten this far in life saying, well, I am who I am because of what I've done. But those things you did were counterfeits for what God can do. They're substitutes. It's what keeps your marriage from being everything it could be. Because your spouse is saying, I love you, and your brain is saying, how do I know? Your spouse says, I love you, and your mind's going, well, I'm not sure about that. See? Are you with? See how quiet it gets when I knock on the door of your strongholds? <laughs> my peace. My peace. I'm going to give you. Not as the world gives. I'm just going to give it to you. Now, I'm going to quote this verse. I said it's my last one. Sorry. I got to give you this. Isaiah 26, 3 says, I will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. 
What do we, what did I read? Go back and read these verses, please, today, this week. Pray those verses. When the patterns try to come at you in your mind, what are you feeding your mind? How do you take captive those thoughts that have been building the stronghold instead of dwelling on them? Listen, it's not a sin to be tempted. I can't stop the devil from throwing the thoughts. But we can stop them from living with us. Are you with me? How do I stop that? The Holy Spirit stops that. How do I do that? God, this is what your word says. Jesus, you said, peace I give you. My peace. Not as the world gives. Give I unto you. I've got the peace of Jesus. I'm well in Jesus' name. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. Here's my question before we pray. Are you willing, are you committed to your deliverance today? Enough to feed yourself, your mind, the word of God. If you're not going to read your Bible, I'll tell you straight. If you're not going to read your Bible, it's not going to work coming to church one day a week. If you're not going to read your Bible every day and feed, feed the godly pattern, this thing is going to work for you. Some, see, that's not hard. It's a joy to read my Bible. You can do that even when you're tired. Even if you sighed when I talked about the weapons of your warfare, remember they're mighty through God and the Holy Spirit's using them. Just read the Word. Just read the Word. So are you committed enough to feed your freedom? And are you committed enough to starve your bondage? That's what I want to ask you today. Are you committed enough to feed your freedom and committed enough to starve your bondage? Capture the thoughts. Your life can change. Because it's not left up to you and me. The Holy Spirit's doing a mighty work. Come on. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.